1: And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and
0: great was the fall of it. If you grew up in the church at all, this is probably a familiar parable to you. Parable. A short narrative illustrating a lesson, usually religious moral by comparison or analogy there actually used to be a little children's song about this parable. The wise man built his house upon a rock The wise man built his house upon a rock The wise man built his house upon a rock And the rains came a-tumbling down The rains came down and the lows came on The rains came down and the lows came on But even if you weren't raised in the church, you may have this imagery in your mind, a sand foundation Versa Rock Foundation. Chances are that this is where that imagery has come from for you, even if you didn't realize it. But I hope we're going to unpack this parable in a way that you haven't thought about it before. Because for most of us, when we read this passage, we place Jesus outside of the parable. Jesus is, after all, teaching the parable right. He's sitting in front of the audience, encouraging them to pay attention to his words. To take it at face value, Jesus is telling his audience, telling all of us in a sense, that if we listen and obey his words, they will be a solid foundation for us to build our lives on. But I think there's more to this parable. Like in a lot of Jesus's parables, there is imagery of the kingdom of heaven. There is metaphor that reveals something to us about who God is and who Jesus is. I believe that Jesus is not only outside of this parable, but that Jesus is inside of this parable as well. I believe that you can read this parable with Jesus as the rock, the firm foundation, and with Jesus as the water, the flood that washes all of our sand foundations away. We're going to build a biblical picture of Jesus as the rock and Jesus as the water throughout scripture, and then apply that imagery to the parable from Matthew 7. And I believe that when we do this, it can have a radical impact on who we are and how we live our lives. One, 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 one. Jesus is the rock. From our focus passage, that parable in Matthew 7, we can easily see Jesus's teachings, his words, are a rock foundation. But there's this Old Testament prophet named Isaiah who takes this idea and turns it up with this prophecy.
1: Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a
0: sure foundation. In this prophecy, Isaiah uses the metaphor of a foundation or a cornerstone, to describe a person. in Acts chapter four, verses ten through twelve, and then again in 1 Peter two, four through eight, the apostle Peter reveals that the person Isaiah prophesied about was Jesus. And it's not just the words of Jesus either, but Jesus himself, the word of God in the flesh, the word of God that everything in the world was made through, as the apostle John wrote in his gospel. Jesus is the foundation and cornerstone. Cornerstone. A ceremonial stone set at the corner of a building, joining two exterior walls, by extension, that which is prominent, fundamental, noteworthy, or central. The cornerstone determined the position of the entire building. The Apostle Paul takes this cornerstone idea and runs with it. You are members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles
1: and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place
0: for God by the Spirit. Paul takes Jesus as the cornerstone and shows us how we are being built upon Jesus' foundation, a foundation positioned around him and laid by the apostles and prophets, that our lives ought to be a dwelling of God's Spirit. If Jesus is the foundation and cornerstone of human existence, then everything that we build, all of our ideas, all of our thoughts, all of our actions, everything we say and do to build up our own lives needs to be measured and set in reference to Jesus's ideas, thoughts, and actions. We need to be referencing, aligning ourselves to the person of Jesus so that we can evaluate whether our lives are being built together as a dwelling of God's Spirit. Because if we don't set ourselves in reference to Jesus as the foundation and the cornerstone, then he will become a stumbling block in our lives. Because Jesus is a stumbling stone. Stumbling block, a hindrance, obstacle, or impediment. But the Apostle Peter riffs on that concept of Jesus as the cornerstone in a very interesting and practical way for us. The honor is for you
1: who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined
0: to do. I love how controversial Jesus can be when we try and make him fit our lives, rather than trying to make our lives fit him. I have conversations with people all of the time that attempt to use a teaching of Jesus to justify their own ideas or actions. But just as easily as you can pick and choose one of Jesus' teachings to support a wide variety of human opinion, you can just as easily find another teaching of Jesus that completely dismantles or destroys it. One minute, Jesus talks about how God is love and grace, a healer of the sick and a shield for the weak. And the next minute, he's condemning our failure to listen, calling us to be perfect like God, wanting the sinner to chop off their hand and warning that some people who think that they know God will get to heaven and find out that they don't know God and will be cast into hell. But that is exactly what I continually find so powerful in my own life. Jesus can't simply be read to be understood. Jesus has to be known. In John chapter 16, after years of teaching and living with his apostles, Jesus gives his parting words to them. He tells them he is going to return to God the Father, and when he does, he'll send them the Spirit of God, and that through the Spirit, Jesus will reveal to those who believe in him everything there is to know about himself In God the Father. But that knowledge will come at a cost.
1: They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Behold the hour is coming. Indeed it has come. When you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone. For the Father is with me. I have said these things to you. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world.
0: I love how Jesus concludes John 16. I have overcome the world. In a fallen world full of disjointed, inconsistent, and temporary things, the precious cornerstone and foundation of all human existence, seems too unmoving to be applicable, too unchanging to be useful, too solid to meet the demands of our ever-changing world. Jesus doesn't fit. But Jesus wasn't meant to fit. Jesus was meant to be what everything else fit to. The prophet Daniel, the guy who got thrown into the lion's den for praying when he wasn't supposed to, once interpreted a dream for the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar.
1: You saw, O king, and behold a great image. This image mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold Its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away. So that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth.
0: A lot of scholars interpret Daniel's dream to be messianic, meaning that the dream gives all of the kingdoms that lead up to the coming of Jesus and his establishment of the kingdom of God on earth. And from this we see that Jesus is the rock that destroys. When the foundation, The cornerstone, the stumbling stone of heaven, came to earth and died on the cross. He overcame the world. He destroyed the authority of every former kingdom. Jesus' sacrifice demanded the destruction and redemption of the entire world and all of our systems. When Jesus came up from the grave, I imagine that it was like an infinite foundation violently emerging from the ground of the entire universe. A foundation coming up from underneath all the shallow, meaningless, crude, and crumbling human structures that we had made, unearthing the true meaning of the world that had been created on him. And everything that did not align itself to that cornerstone, everything that did not rest on the true foundation of Jesus, collapsed and continues to collapse everything that doesn't fit Jesus, anyone who doesn't know Jesus, every other kingdom will always end up crumbling apart. And just like any building that collapses, the debris and devastation will take anyone and anything living in and under that building with it. The wind will sweep them away without leaving a trace. So we need to be constantly asking ourselves if we are building our lives our work, or even our ministries on Jesus? Are we aligning ourselves, referencing our lives to Jesus? Not just by reading his words only, but by seeking to truly know him. Because when we do that, I believe we'll find something truly miraculous. Jesus is the rock of living water. There was a period of Jewish history where the Jews, God's chosen people, wandered around in the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula on their way from slavery in Egypt to a land that God had promised them. During the ministry of Jesus in the first century, a lot of Jewish rabbis thought that during that desert wandering, there was a rock that followed the Jewish people everywhere they went and that rock would give the people water from within it. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 4 wrote this. They drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Paul believed that rock was a symbol for Jesus. The apostles and prophets refer to Jesus as the foundation of everything, the rejected cornerstone, a stumbling stone, a stone that will destroy all former kingdoms and establish a new kingdom forever. But there is more to this rock. It also gives the water of life. Jesus once talked to this woman at a well in John chapter 4. We get an account of this in verses 13 and 14. Jesus says this,
1: "Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life." Two, 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 two.
0: Jesus is the water. In chapter 7 of John's Gospel, Jesus gets more detailed about what this living water is like and where it comes from. Jesus stood up and cried out,
1: If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him
0: were to receive. When we align ourselves to, and build ourselves up on, the rock, we receive the Spirit of God. We become Christians. Followers of Jesus were called Christians for the first time in this ancient city called Antioch because their behavior, activity, and speech were like Jesus. In other words, they became fountains of the living water of Jesus, vessels of Jesus that shared his living water with others. Jesus is the living water. And when our thoughts and actions are measured and set in reference to Jesus' thoughts and actions, we are submerging ourselves in the person of Christ. We begin to speak living water and our actions flow like living water. And we are able to give a drink of Jesus to thirsty people, something as essential as water, God himself. And we are able to meet their essential need through the water of the Spirit and then help build them up on the rock. And then something incredible will begin to happen to us and to the world around us with all the people in it. Jesus will perform his water miracles inside of us and over our world. Just like the miracle of Jesus turning water to wine, when we offer a drink of his living water to others, Jesus transforms that water into wine, a drink of celebration, joy, and fellowship inside of us and them. He makes us like a bride on her wedding day, full of expectation, promise, and love. Or like when Jesus calms the storm on the Sea of Galilee, the apostles actually exclaim, even the waves, even the water obey Him. Even the waves, even the waters, obey Him. Jesus calms the storm of our lives and replaces the raging waters with His living water of peace. And over the chaos of the world around us, the chaos in the people around us, Jesus cries, peace, be still. I have overcome the world listen to john's account of jesus's death in chapter 19 of his gospel jesus knowing that all was now finished said to fulfill the
1: scripture i thirst a jar full of sour wine stood there so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth when jesus had received the sour wine he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit how
0: ironic that the living water on the cross thirsts. Yet when the soldier pierces his side, Jesus' blood pours out with water. I believe in this moment, Jesus, in a sense, baptizes the world in his blood and living water. I believe that the water pouring from the side of Jesus is a symbol of his baptism over the entire earth. Everyone can
1: now draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure
0: water. But unfortunately, not everyone will draw near. Whatever their reason, or for whatever reason, some people simply refuse to drink no matter how thirsty they get. But that doesn't diminish our responsibility to offer them a drink in our speech, in our actions, in our joy, celebration, and fellowship, that doesn't diminish our responsibility to invite them to become the bride of the wedding party of God, to help others understand what the religious leader Nicodemus could not. Nicodemus, a respected teacher and religious leader, came to Jesus at night to ask him a very simple question. How can I see the kingdom of God? Jesus tells him, that Nicodemus and us today must be born again, a spiritual rebirth, a birth of water and spirit. We have to be people full of the living water of Jesus, speaking living water with actions flowing like living water, giving thirsty people a drink of Jesus so that they can see the kingdom of God, so that they can be born of water and spirit. In the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the Apostle John has a vision of the kingdom of God. Catch this. Then the
1: angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him."
0: A river of living water from the throne of God, watering the tree of life with the leaves that heal the world. Sometimes I wonder if we are those leaves, full of living water, falling from the tree of life, bringing true healing to the world through Jesus. Let's go back and read our parable again. But this time, hold all of these ideas about Jesus as the rock and water in your mind.
1: Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Do you hear it? And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it
0: fell, and great was the fall of it. Do you feel it? When everything is washed away, only Jesus will remain. When intellect fails us, when society fails us, when a church or a ministry fails us, when a pastor fails us, when friends and family fail us, or even when we fail ourselves, we must be a people who have built our house, our life, on the rock. While the living water of Jesus continues to wash away any sand foundation that we try and build on. When everything is washed away, only Jesus will remain. The rock and the water, the unmoving yet eternally flowing a foundation in the very thing that washes foundations away. A rock that destroys, yet gives the water that leads to eternal life. Jesus is the rock of living water. You've been listening to a Down Temple devotional from the YACAS, a young adult ministry of Crossroads Community Church. To find out more, you can go to yacrossroads.com or come to his service at 1188 Park Avenue West in Mansfield, Ohio. All of the scripture passages from today are from the English Standard Version. If you'd like a manuscript copy of today's cast you can go to AaronJamesNicholas.com writings. There's also some really neat video content that's up on there, a little intro promo to Jesus as the Rock of Living Water, as well as some other resources if you'd like to turn this into a little bit of a small group devotional. The music for today's Yakcast is by my band, Trooper. We just released a new full-length record called All Things Are Shadow. We'd love for you guys to check that out. Go to troopermusic.com, T-R-O-U-P-E-R, music.com to find out more info on that and the band, what we're up to, and what we're doing. Thanks for listening to another down-tempo devotional from the Yakcast.